happy Thanksgiving and happy Thanksgiving for those who are logged on with us. Hope you guys had a great time with your family and friends. Hope you had lots of grilled uh, raccoon and possum and all those good things that you enjoy on Thanksgiving. You know, those Thanksgiving traditions that you guys are, I'm just joking. But I really do hope you guys had a good time with some good food. You know, all I wanted for Thanksgiving was some gumbo. And my sister, she made a big pot of gumbo, and it was really, really good. And I was like, that's all I wanted. We had turkey, and we had everything else. I just wanted some gumbo. And uh, it was really good, and I was very, that's what I was thankful for this Thanksgiving, that gumbo. It was good. But yeah, welcome, guys. Uh, right now, we're not in the middle of the series. We're going to start another series uh, really soon here. But this is just a word that um, I believe it was on... Friday was in our daily readings. This was um, uh, as part of the, it was a part of the, the daily readings on Friday, and this really stood out to me. And I was like, man, I want to share this message with you guys uh, today. So if you're taking notes, well, I'll just give you the title in a second. I'll just ask you this question. I'll just poise this question to you. Have you ever thought in your mind, like you knew you were going to have a conversation with someone? And you're like, you rehearsed that conversation in your head. And you just knew, this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say this. And if they say that, I'm going to say this. And you rehearse the whole thing in your head. And you just know, this is how I'm going to respond. Or you replay previous conversations that you had. And then you think back on it. You're like, man, I wish I would have said this. Or I wish I would have responded that way. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Because the response is everything. The response is everything, and this is a quick tip for all you singles. Never text message back and forth with anyone you're interested in, like as a, the basic form of communication, because you can sit there and think of the perfect response to every text message, and it not, might, may not necessarily be the most genuine thing because you could just sit there and ponder and come up with the most creative response ever that sounds good, but it's not really what you, and you could just be sitting back there, <laughs> I got them with this one. But in face-to-face -face interaction, you can see someone's true response to a question. That was for free. I didn't even plan on saying that this morning. But the response is everything. Your response is everything. So the title of today's message is, How Do You Respond? You can write that down. How do you respond? How do you respond? <coughs> Excuse me. We'll be in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. We'll read and then we'll pray. It says, dear friends, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, like this cough that the enemy has on me right now. Dear friends, don't be surprised by the, at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. So don't be surprised if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Verse 14, if you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed, for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, 
making trouble, or praying into, uh, prying into other people's affairs. Don't be nosy. Don't be a gossip. That's what he's saying. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. For the, for the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to the godless sinners? So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to God who created you, for he will never fail you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for just an awesome Sunday morning to come together as a body of believers and worship you in, in word and in, in song. And I thank you for the atmosphere that's here today. We can feel your presence so strong. I thank you that you're speaking to our hearts clearly today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you're following along online, you can uh, download our app. You can go to the app. All the notes will be there as well. You can go back and take a look at that as well. But how do you respond? And I know that was a passage of scripture, the lengthy scripture that we just read, but there was three things that stood out to me that made me realize, how do I respond to these three things? There's three things in there that, that, that it said. And the first one you can write down is, so how do I respond to this? The first one, is, I'll go back and read it for you, is verse 12 and 13. It says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have a wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. So the first thing is, you can write this down, is how do you respond to fiery trials? How do you respond to fiery trials? When you're truly living for God, it says you shouldn't be surprised by fiery trials and attacks when they come. But boy, do we be, get surprised when something bad happened to us, like, oh, I can't believe this happened to me. I can't believe the enemy is attacking me like this. Can you believe that? Yes, I can. Because the moment you make your allegiance to Christ, you can expect the enemy to throw everything that he can at you to get you to come back to him. And if you never experience any attacks from the enemy, that just may be a clear sign that, hey, maybe you're on his team. Maybe you're not living for Christ in the way that you should. Because when the enemy starts attacking you, he knows that God has something in store for you that he doesn't want you to receive. So he'll start throwing not just trials, but fiery trials at you. Now you say, what is a fiery trial? A fiery trial, I believe, is anything that God wants to use to transform you and to refine you and to build your character. These are things that are very painful and difficult to walk through. Fiery trials are like, God, how in the world? You know, when I think about a fiery trial, I think about Lot. Not Lot, I'm sorry. I think about uh, Job. Job. Job walked through a fiery trial. In a matter of seconds, this man lost everything. He was serving God. He was a righteous man. And then he lost everything. All his possessions, his children. His, every, Job lost everything in a matter of seconds. And Job was in a fiery trial. And, you know, sometimes we find ourselves in a fiery trial when it comes with, with our finances unexpected bills and things come out of nowhere and you're like, God, where am I going to get the money to pay for these things? I don't know what's going to happen. Or an untimely death. Something happens where it's just suddenly unexpected 
and it takes you by surprise and you're like, God, what is going on here? Or an untimely sickness or, or something that comes in is something that a fiery trial is something that you didn't prepare for and it blindsides you. It's something that you walk through that, that you're like, God, if you don't help me, I'm not going to make it through this. How many of you have ever been in a situation like that before where you're like, God, I don't know how I got in this situation, but if you don't help me, I'm not going to make it. That's a fiery trial. And it says that we shouldn't be shocked when those things happen. We shouldn't be shocked when fiery trials come. So what that lets me know is how I respond to fiery trials has all to do with my buildup to how I live my everyday life. So that means in my everyday life, I have to be prepared as such that when the enemy does send a fiery trial my way, guess what? I'm prepared and I know how to respond. So every day, I'm preparing myself to respond to a fiery trial. Even though I don't know when it's going to come, I'm just not going to be shocked when they do come. And I'm going to make sure that I respond in the right way. You know, when I think about another example in the Bible of, of fiery trials, I think about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were in the readings this week as well. And we were reading about them. And old King Nebuchadnezzar, he just thought he was so great. I'm the great almighty Nebuchadnezzar. I'm almighty and all powerful. And, and I'm going to build this statue. And I'm going to call the musical instruments to play. And everybody's going to bow down and worship the gold statue that I built. Except for those three. They say, we're not going to bow down. We're not going to bow down. And uh, someone caught wind of what was going on. And they caught wind that these three weren't bowing down. And they ran and told king, the king. And he said, well, bring them to me. I want to I see them face to face. And he says, I'm going to give you one more chance. He said, I'm going to warn you one more time that I need you to bow down. When you hear the musical instruments, I need you to bow down and worship it. They say, no, we won't. And this is what their response was in Daniel chapter 3. They said, when they, they refused to him, they refused to bow down, and he warned them. And he, they told them, if you don't bow down, there it is, I'm sorry. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. And if, they are, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. He will rescue us. So what that lets me know is this, is that they weren't ashamed and they, weren't, they knew how to respond to, God, uh, to, to Nebuchadnezzar. They knew how to respond to a fiery trial because Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going to turn the flames up seven times on them now because he said, then if I throw you in there, then what God is going to save you? And so you know what he did? He threw them in the, uh, in the furnace and he cranked it up seven times hotter than usual. And it says that the guards that threw them in, that they died because the flames were so hot. And they three were walking in the, in, the, in the furnace, just probably looking around. And then Nebuchadnezzar looked like, I thought we only threw three in. It's four men in there. And one of them looks like a god. And then he ordered them to come out. And they came out unsinged. Said they didn't even smell like smoke. A furnace so hot that the guys that just threw them in died. They went in the flames, didn't even come out smelling like smoke. That's a fiery trial, <laughs> literally. <laughs> that is a fiery trial. But the point is, they knew how to respond in the midst of a fiery trial. And it's two things you need to do in the midst of a fiery trial. The same thing that they did. The first thing you need to do is this, don't bow. 
Don't bow. They didn't bow. They refused to bow. They said, I know the God that I serve. He's the only one that I'm going to bow to. Nebuchadnezzar, I'm not bowing to you. So what is this? We don't bow to the intimidations of the enemy. The enemy will try to intimidate you to get you to bow to his demands, whatever they are. If it's fear, he's going to get you to try to bow down to the intimidation of fear. You don't know what to do. How are you going to get out of this? Bow down to that fear and give in to it. You don't know what to do. Bow down to that insecurity and that doubt. Don't hold faith. What faith? How do you, you don't, do you see a way? I don't see a way. Go ahead and doubt God. Don't bow. Whatever the enemy is trying to intimidate you with, don't bow. They didn't bow. The, the Nebuchadnezzar said, we're going to throw in the furnace. They say, that's fine, but I know my God is going to be with us. And even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow to you. We're not going to bow. That's the first thing. In the, in the midst of a fiery trial, don't bow. Don't bow. Don't bow to anything of the intimidations of the enemy. Second thing you have to do is what they did is trust God. You have to trust God. Sometimes that can seem like the easiest thing. You say, well, I know that. I know I need to trust God. But sometimes for you in, in, in your heart, it can be the most difficult thing to do. It sounds like the easiest thing to do, but why is it sometimes it's hard for us to trust God? We know we're supposed to trust God. We know it's the right thing to do. But in our heart, sometimes that can be difficult. Whether it's control issues or pride issues or doubts, fear, whatever you want to call it, it can be hard to trust God in the midst of a fiery trial. Because we can feel like I have to figure out, God, I can't wait to, I, I don't have the time to wait on you. I need an answer now. God, I need, a, I need a resolution right now. And in the midst of fiery trials, we can stop trusting God. But in the midst of the trial, their response was, we're not going to bow and we're going to trust God. That's what you have to do. How do you overcome fiery trials? How do you respond to fiery trials? Don't bow, trust God. Well, pastor, what does that mean? Don't bow, trust God. Well, then what am I supposed to do? Don't bow and trust God, and he will be right there standing next to you, and you will be unsinged, not smelling like smoke. Amen? Amen. Amen. Fiery trials, they're going to come. So don't be, don't be shocked. It says don't be shocked when they come. I'm just telling you, when they do come, prepare your heart in a way that you don't bow and that you trust God. Amen? The second thing in First uh, Peter 4, verse 14, it says, If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. For the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affair. But it's no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. So first thing we do is, how do we respond? To fiery trial, second thing is, how do you respond to insults? Uh-oh. How do you respond to insults? If the enemy can't take you out with fiery trials, he'll take you out with insults. And he'll begin to put people in your life, sometimes it can even be family members, to try to insult you to take you out. And when those insults start coming your way, you get all defensive. And you want to lash out and you want to insult back. But you have to realize that the reason that people or the enemy, I would say it this way, the enemy will always find people that he can use to bring insults against you. 
He's just looking for someone that he can use to say, how can I use this person to bring insults to you? Because what he's trying to do is he can't find anything else fault against you, so he stoops to childish behaviors, and the last resort is insults. You know, when people get in an argument, or not even an argument, a discussion, and they feel like they're losing, their last resort is start throwing insults at you because they don't know what else to say, so I'm going to start insulting, insulting them because I know that will cut them deep. And that's what the enemy does. I don't know what else to do, so I'm going to just start sending insults. And it, it's sad to say that sometimes your family members could be the ones that insult you. I was speaking to a friend just this week, and he was telling me that his family was trying to guilt him into moving back home to take care of his mother. And he said one of his cousins called and said, you call yourself a son of God. I say you're the son of the devil. You think you're a man living for God, but you're an evil man, and your mother's going to die, and you're going to stay there and not come take care of her? And I was like, what did you say? And he was like, first, they're not saved, so it didn't affect me. But he said, secondly, I'm not going to let my families uh, manipulate me with their emotions and their insults because that's what people will do. They will try to manipulate you through their, your emotions to get you to do what they want you to do. And sometimes that comes in the form of insults where they'll try to insult you, they'll try to manipulate you, they'll say whatever they can to say to get you to do what they want you to do. But we have to say, you know what, I'm not going to give in to those insults. Devil, you can throw everything. It says that if you take insults and treat it as an honor that you're doing it and you're suffering for Christ. Because if you're truly suffering for Christ or you're living for Christ, then guess what? The enemy's going to do everything he can to distract you, to anything to take you out. So when the insults come, that should, you, this should trigger one thing in your mind. I'm doing something right. I know I'm living for God because the enemy's trying to mess with my confidence. He's trying to get in my head. and Because you know once you get in your head, you get all thinking crazy, and it gets bad when you get in your head. And that's what he tries to do. But you, you have to resist the insults. The best way to respond when someone is speaking insult, insults against you is to speak the word. You begin to speak the word and stand on the word and then pray for those that insult you. Because one, one thing is going to silence the enemy. The word and prayer silences the voices. So when you, 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 I don't know if you ever tried this before, but if someone starts to insult you and you just start speaking blessings over them, it confuses them. Because they're expecting you to respond just like they did. Because they're trying to get a response out of you. They're trying to agitate you. Oh, they say they're a Christian? I'm going to really see if they're a Christian. And they'll start saying stuff to try to get you all worked up because they know I'm going to get a response out of you. That's what the enemy does. But you have to say, no, devil, I'm not falling for those tricks. I'm going to stand on the word. And I'm going to bless those, even those that insult me. And when you do that, guess what? It silenced the voices. It silenced them because they don't have anything else to stand on. But you have something to stand on, the word of God. And when you stand on the word and you begin to pray for those and bless those that insult you, now you're standing on Christ. Now you're standing for Christ. Now you're not stooping down to the, to the attacks and the, the, the childish behavior of the enemy. But you say, no, devil, I'm not stooping to your level. I'm standing on the word. I'm standing on the promises. I'm not getting distracted. I don't have time to give in to these insults. I got kingdom business that's ahead of me, and I got to keep my mind focused on that. Amen? So I'm not going to give into the insults of the enemy because he will try to insult you, and he'll try to use anyone that he can 
to come in your life to insult you because, you know, I don't know why such and such said that. I don't, I don't act like that. And then you'll start doubting yourself. Well, well, am I stingy? Well, I, I, I mean, I think I'm a sweet person. Am I not sweet? And boy, you'll get all in your head and you can let people's thoughts. Yeah, you say you're a Christian, but I don't see the love of God in you at all. Well, I, I, I try to show, and don't do it. You know who you are in Christ. Stand on the word of God. When you get in that word and God begins to speak to you in your prayer time, that's what you believe. That's what you stand on, not the insults of the enemy. Amen. So that's why it's so important. You have to go back to the word and build yourself up because the enemy is going to send people to say some stuff to you that is going to try to get in your head to mess with you. But you can't. I'm not going to stoop to that. I'm going to stand on the word and I'm going to bless those that insult me. Amen. This is the third and final thing in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. It says, for a time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who, who have never obeyed God's good news? And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right. And trust your lives to God who created you, for he will never fail you. God will never fail you. You live for God, he will never fail you, not one time. Amen? But this is the third thing. How do you respond to judgment? How do you respond? And judgment is not a word that we like. Nobody likes judgment. I never heard one person say, ooh, judge me, judge me. Oh, I can't wait to God judge me. I've never heard, I've heard people say, I can't wait for God to bless me. I can't wait for God to heal me. I can't wait for God to do this. I've never heard one person, I can't wait for God to judge me. Usually we think like, ooh, I need to get myself prepared because I know God's going to judge me. But it says here that he's going to start with us first, the church, those that call ourselves believers. And I take this as a great warning. This is a warning. It's not something that, that I'm fearful of. If it's a fear, it's a holy fear that says, you know what, I have to get myself right. But it's nothing that, that's making me shrink back that says, oh, God's going to get me. Not like that. But it's a holy fear that says, you know what? I need to heed to God's warnings. If he's telling us in his word that he's going to start with the church, I need to prepare myself. Amen? Amen? So how do you respond to God's judgments when he starts with the church? But this is what you need to know about God's judgment. He's very merciful to us. Think about how merciful and patient God is with us. How many times have, could God have punished us or, or spoken a harsh word, not a harsh word, but a rebuking word to us, but he loved us instead? And he gave us mercy and grace and said, I'm going to give you some time to get it together. I'm thankful for God's mercy and grace. And that's why we should extend mercy and grace to others as well and not be so quick to lash out with those insults. But God has been so merciful for us, merciful and, and patient with us. But there is a judgment that is coming. And like I said, this should be a great wake-up call for us to get our attitudes, our will, our motives, and sin, secret sin of things that are in our heart to get in alignment with him. God is waiting on us to get in alignment with him so he can truly use us in the way that he wants to use us. And I remember that one time, I shared this story before, when I was in the car coming back from South Carolina and I heard the voice of God 
speak audibly to me. The only time I ever heard it in my life. But that was a warning that God was giving me. What he was saying is, Mario, judgment is coming to you. And it terrified me, y'all. But I was glad that he warned me and that he was merciful and patient with me. And that he just didn't kill me in that moment because he could have. But he says, you know what? I'm going to give you a warning. But what he was really saying is this. I'm going to give you just a little bit more time to get it right. And if you don't get it right, I've already laid out the consequences. And with God, he will always speak a word to us and say, child, son, daughter, this is what I need from you. This is what I'm asking for you. And then he'll give us mercy and grace. He'll be patient with us for us to get it right. But at some point, God's mercy and grace does run out. And that's when we stand before him for the judgment. And he said, well, I asked this of you. Why didn't you do it? I gave you time. And at that point, there's no more work to be done. There's nothing else that we could do but stand before God and his judgment. But I'm thankful that he's so merciful to us that he gives us time to get it right. We have to stop saying that people are always judging me. You know, one of the reasons people don't come to church, they say, well, every time I come to church, people are judging me. Well, is it that they're judging you or they're judging the sin in you? Because Paul warns us, he says that if there's people that call themselves believers in the church, but they keep on sinning, it's our responsibility to judge them or to call out the sin that they're in. So we can't get upset if you call yourself a believer and like, Hey, man, I'm just concerned about you. We've noticed this type of behavior. Why are you judging me? No, no, we're not judging you. You know, people only use the word, why are you judging me, when they're doing something they know shouldn't be doing, and they don't want to be called out on it. Or, you know, you ever talk to someone, and they do something, and before they do it, now, don't judge me now. I know, now I'm about to, don't judge me. And it's like, what, what is that? They don't want to be criticized. They don't want to, they, they don't want to feel guilty for what they're about to do. And we're quick to say that, but don't judge me now. I know I'm looking a mess. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Now, you knew I was coming over here. You could have put yourself together. Now you're feeling guilty because you didn't. But whatever it is, it's like we're quick to say, don't judge me. And, but if we're believers, we should say, God, judge my heart. That should be a, a, a quick antidote. We say, every, God, judge my heart. Point out things in my heart and my character and my attitude that I need to change. And I thank you that you're merciful and you're patient with me to give me time to change so I can align to you. Because I promise you when you do that, you're just positioning yourself for God to use you in a greater way. And that's all that, that's how I look at judgment is. When I come before God, I say, God, judge my heart. God, judge my motives. Are they pure before you? And if they are, praise God. If they're not, change them. Change my attitude. Is my attitude? Change it, Lord. But I, want, I would rather God judge me here on earth than to stand before him and say, well, you never asked me what was going on in your heart. But God is merciful, y'all. Don't be afraid of God's judgment. Embrace it. And I'm going to read this again. So if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right. And trust your lives to God who created you, for he will never fail you. If you're doing what is right, you're on the right track. You're on the right track, so you shouldn't be afraid afraid of anything because God is with you. Amen? Amen? And never shrink back when the world tries to attack you or when the world tries to judge you. You know, Christians so narrow-minded. Yep, I have a narrow mind because 
The word says broad is the road, and many follow that road. But there's a narrow road that only few find. So when the world tries to judge me, I'm not, I don't, I'm not faced by that because the world is headed to a place that I never want to go. They're headed in the direction that I, so the insults and the judgment of the world, that doesn't attack me. That just lets me know that I'm on the right track. But when the world starts agreeing with me, I have to say, now, hold up. Now, what's wrong with my views? Now, I know, now, if the world's agreeing with me, I know something is going on because usually they, they're opposing to the word of God. They, they're, they, they are on the other side of everything. So when the world insults me or judges me, hey, I'm doing something good. I'm doing something good if the world's judging me. But boy, when the world starts cozying up to you, ooh, yeah, we could be friends now. Be careful. That's where you need to start. Oh, I need to ask God to search my heart because something's going on. We should be salty. We're salt and light, y'all. That means that for everybody, they don't like salt. They don't like salt, and they don't like light. They like to be in the dark. And when you bring the light, it causes them to feel. You ever been around someone that's not saved and I don't, ooh, I just, when you come around, I just, I do, it, they, what is that? That's the light. They don't like the light that's inside of you because it, confu- it, can, it, it uh, convicts them of sin. And I'm not saying going around convicting people of sin. That's not our job. But what I am saying is be a light. Be a light and don't be afraid of the judgment. And don't be afraid of their judgment. And don't shrink back. You don't have to shrink back in your stand for God to please the world or to make the world happy. I'm not going to shrink back from preaching the gospel to make the world feel better. My job is to preach the good news so they can come to experience the one that has life. Because that's what the world truly needs. But there is a judgment coming, and it is starting first with the church. That's a serious warning, y'all. And I praise God that he put it in the word to let us know that it's starting with. Now, that's some good news right there. So we can't be surprised. Oh, I didn't know that was coming. Oh, he put it right there. 1 Peter chapter 4, right there, (laughs) going back to it, it's a warning. Well, praise God for warnings, because warnings are great opportunities just to position yourself for greater fruitfulness in the future. And that's all this is. So the last thing we talk about judgment, God, judge my heart. I want to respond the right way to your judgment. So when he does judge your heart and he points out things, you say, God, I surrender, and now I'm moving forward. Amen? So how are you going to respond to fiery trials? By allowing the Lord to refine and transform us, to build our character. We're not going to bow down to the intimidations of the enemy. We're going to stand and we're going to trust God. How do we respond to insults? I don't give in to them. I'm not going to give it an ear. I'm going to stand on the word. I'm going to pray for those that insult me. And when it comes to judgment, I'm going to get my life in order. I'm going to repent of sin, and I'm going to have a fresh surrender each and every day so that I'm prepared for the judgment that comes ahead. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. First Peter 4, three things, fiery trials, insults, and judgments. How are you going to respond to those three things? I want everyone just to bow their head and, and close their eyes, and I just want to give an invitation to those we talked about Judgment. There is a judgment coming. 
But it also says, and if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? And if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? The judgment that's coming to those that don't obey the good news, that's the judgment no one ever wants to receive. But there is a judgment that's coming that if you don't surrender your knee, you, you don't want to surrender your heart and bow your knee to Jesus, there is a judgment that's coming. I just want to prepare you for that, to give you an opportunity to get right with God. I'm not trying to make you afraid. I just want to let you know the reality that a judgment is coming. And that one day there is a decision that you will have to make. Whether you surrender your need to Jesus, you bow your heart to Jesus or not. Or you accept him as the one true God. And whether you, those watching online, I want to pray for you. Those in the room, I want to pray for you as well. And if you're in here today in the room and you say, God, I want to surrender to you. I want to bow my knee to you today. I want to bow my knee to you this morning. I want to pray with you. And if you're in here today and you want to receive Jesus in your heart, maybe for the first time or you follow God at one point, but you want to come back to God, if that's you with no one looking around, I just want you to lift your hand. Amen. Amen. And I want to ask everyone just to do this with me. Place your hand over your heart. You watching online, you can do the same thing. And just repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. And Lord, I thank you right now for the gift of salvation, the free gift of salvation that you willingly laid down your life for me. I'm so thankful, so humbled that you would think of me to lay down your life. And I lay down my life today. I surrender to you anew. And I pray that you would give me the strength to follow you all the days of my life. I thank you that you're in my heart. I promise to serve you with everything within me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. If you made that decision to follow Christ and you're in the room and the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says, let's connect. You can fill that out, drop it in the uh, bucket on the offering time. We'd love to connect with you. And also if you're online, let's let us know in the comment section, section, I made a decision to follow Christ. We will follow up with you and pray this week. But come on, let's give it up one more time for those that made that decision to follow Christ. Hallelujah. Well, thank you guys for tuning in with us this morning. Uh, if you're prepared to give, you can give. There's a couple of ways you can give. If you're watching with us online, you can go to our website at newlifemobile.org. On the homepage, there's a tab that says Give Online. Click that link. You can give there. Also, you can go to our app or download our app. You can give that way or on our uh, website and Facebook page. There's an address where you can mail a check of money order as well. We're going to pray for the offering, and then you guys are dismissed online. But also, this Wednesday is our first Wednesday service for the month of December. We're here, y'all. So you could crank up the Christmas music. 
December is here. Thanksgiving is out of the way. Now everything is all about uh, joy to the world. But we're going to pray for the offering, and then you guys online to dismiss. Thank, Lord, we thank you right now for those that are sacrificially given, Lord God, those that are faithful to the tithe. Lord, I thank you right now that there's abundance of blessing over every person, Lord God, that gives seed to you. Lord, we give out of the generosity and the joy out of our heart. It's a joy to give, Lord God. So we joyfully give of all the resources that you willingly, that you freely given to us, Lord God. Our jobs, Lord God, are a blessing that you've given us, Lord God. And we freely give back to you. And I thank you, Lord God, that is a promise that as we give out of a joyful and generous heart, that you will pour out a blessing on us. So I pray that you bless every person that gives, whether online or in the room today, Lord God. I thank you that blessing comes to their household, Lord God. I thank you right now that you bless and multiply the seed that's coming into the storehouse today. Be with your people. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we love you guys. We also would like to invite you again, first Wednesday, this Wednesday, 630 in the sanctuary. Also, December 18th at 3.30 is our Songs of Christmas. We love to invite you to that as well. We love you guys. Have a great rest of the day, and we will see you this Wednesday for our first Wednesday service.